Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Jason. That was amazing. All right. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Tiffany Townsend. I am Jason's wife, and we are both the lead pastors here at City Point Church. And I'm excited to come before you this morning. We are finishing out our series called No Cap. All right. It's a series on true worship. No Cap, if you don't know, means no lie or for real. Okay. And so, um, Eventually, you know, this word will phase out like yeet phased out and we'll go into something else and maybe we'll name a series after that. The dab has already phased out as well, Jason, but thank you for bringing it back. Um, all right, so no cabbage slang for no lie or for real. And we based our scripture on a statement that Jesus said to the woman at the well, which is this in John 4, 23. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's actually here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, looking for true worshipers. And the thing is, is we were all made and created to worship. And so if we don't worship God, we will find something to worship because that's how we're created. And so whether we're worshiping the God of the universe or our favorite football team, it doesn't matter, or shopping or our kids or whatever, we will find something to fill that void because that is what we're made to do. Um, Worship is basically simply this. It's our response to something that we hold valuable. So the things that we hold most valuable, our response to that is worship. And sometimes we give good worship to things that are not God. And I'm not even saying that that is necessarily terrible. Let me balance what I'm saying because you're like, she's saying we could worship other things, you know. Well, I said that worship is in all forms of our response to something we value. And I said, when Tennessee beat Alabama a few weeks ago, we were literally clapping, shouting, screaming, dancing. Our hands were raised. We were jumping around. And I thought, this is really good worship. I'm so glad tomorrow we'll be doing the same thing for the Lord, right? Okay, so that was the balance of it. But still, the Lord is more valuable. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting excited over things. There's nothing wrong with loving your children and loving the things that God's given us and the things that are here. Like if you have a favorite football team or if you love shopping or whatever you love, there's nothing wrong with that. It's only wrong when it becomes before our God, right? And so um, I said worship can come in many different forms, singing, clapping, shouting, dancing, um, or what Pastor Mark said last week, uh, generosity. And so we had one of our board members uh, invite us into his service. He's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's on the board of our church. And what he did is he, he let us come into his service, and we watched it via video. And it was transforming my mind. And I told Jason when he made that, he actually made that like a month or so ago, but I said, let's hold it. Let's hold it because generosity is a form of worship. And this will go perfectly with our no cap. And he wasn't saying, oh, give to the church. You got to give to the church. Money, 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 money. We want your money. No, what he was saying is that the idea of generosity to any anyone is a form of worship to our Lord. And he said, one of his points that I thought was so great, he said, give out of your need. Yeah, maybe you might not have money, but give out of your need. Because when you give to someone or something, 
you sow a seed. And it was funny because at the end of the service, Jason told this story. And it was such a powerful story, but he totally forgot the best part of it, which would made it like the whole point make sense to what Pastor Mark was saying. But he had said that I had called him. This was when our budgets were real tight and he was waiting tables and I was trying to build a real estate business and all this kind of stuff. And I told him, I'm like, if you could make $800, if we could make 800, he like had two shifts left. And I don't know if y'all know this, but you do not make that great of money at the Texas Roadhouse. And I'm like, if we could make $800, we would make our budget. Like we'd make the budget for the month. Like we won't have any extra, but we'll make the budget. And in the story, he was saying that that day, with a lot of pressure going into work, some, somebody we know came in and just handed him $700 in cash. And then another table just gave him $100. And the Lord provided, right? But what he forgot to say is the seed that he had sown prior that week. The Lord, he was at work, and the Lord said, I want you to give to the server everything that's in your wallet. And I had said, okay, we need $800, guys. We need $800. And he opened up his wallet, and it was only $20. But still, it was all that he had. It was all his money. And he went to this server who he particularly did not enjoy as a person because they were rude. But he said, but God told him to do it. And so he gave them the $20. And then the Lord provided $800 the next day. So I'm just saying that sometimes when we worship the Lord and we're obedient to the Lord, even in our money and our generosity, because like I said a couple weeks ago, we give our whole lives, not just portions of it, but our whole lives, every part of it. That's why people don't like to talk about money. They're like, okay, I come to church. Hey, I even serve at church, but don't talk about my money. You know what I'm saying? I get that. And I know it's hard because I'm the budgeter in our home. And so I'm the one who weighs the stress every time, and, and I think about it. It's always there. But you know what? Sometimes you got to go, God, whatever. I give you everything. And so bringing on to our last subject of true worship, no cap worship, we are talking about the art of self-denial. Okay, what does that mean? In a spiritual sense, or in a sense, actually this is more than spiritual, but in a spiritual word, we are talking about fasting, okay, and the art of denying ourselves and fasting in order to worship the Lord, all right, so what is fasting, because a lot of you are like, (laughs) fasting is actually something that has been a, a discipline throughout the ages, okay, if you look back in the scriptures, it is something that was done in the Old Testament and went into the New Testament, I mean from, you know, we got Moses, we got Esther, we got David, we got Jesus, we got Paul, we got all those people who made a difference in the world and some that didn't who practiced fasting. And it was like, it's just this term. It's actually not even just used in the Christian faith. Fasting is something that the world uses for health purposes and all this kind of stuff. But I want to talk about the art of self-denial in order to grow our intimacy with the Lord spiritually. And so I know a lot of people have questions like this. And let me tell you, I know that the generosity thing might be tough for me because I'm the budgeter, but fasting and self-denial is really tough, all right? One of our board members, y'all heard from him a few months ago, Josh, him and his wife, man, they're great at fasting. They have such discipline, and I think, 
that's why God is doing so much in you guys. You guys are amazing. And then I have to fire it up. I have to go, all right, Lord. All right, what do you want me to do? I got to fire this up, right? But let me, let me tell you, and on your chair, we made a pamphlet. Because I was like, man, I'm going to be spitting off so much stuff. And people are going to go home and they're going to go, oh, I would really like to try that. But I forgot everything that she said, okay? And I'm not offended by that. Other day, Jason asked me to write some discussion questions for a message that I preached. And I was like, uh, send me your notes. Do you know what I'm saying? So I know sometimes, like, our brains forget. Jason, I asked Jason to make these, and he goes, that's a lot of words. And I was like, I think we can fit it on the page. Let's try. But what is fasting? Fasting is turning my attention from the pleasures of this world so that I might fully focus my attention on Christ and find my greatest pleasure in him. Fasting is sacrificing something I value to pursue something God values for and or through me. Fasting is denying myself what I desire as a way of putting my desire for God first. Fasting is setting aside less important things to seek the most important. Fasting is the discipline of putting God's eternal purposes before my temporal desires. Fasting is reserving time, energy, and resources normally given to an activity to pursue God and his will. Fasting is disconnecting with the world so that I may deeper connect with God. And fasting is giving up good, healthy desires. So fasting isn't getting rid of like, things that shouldn't be in our lives, you know, for the Lord. It's getting rid of things that are good and healthy desires, good and healthy things uh, and disciplines in our life in order to grow our intimacy with God more. And so Mike Bickle, he's a pastor around here, not around here, but in this nation. All right. I'm like around these parts, Knoxville, not Knoxville. Um, He says that, he says it, and I love this. He says, fasting is voluntary weakness. Voluntary weakness, and I think this is so great because no one wants to think that we're weak. We don't want to be weak, okay, and I don't even want to be known as weak, but what I love about it is what was said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Jesus says this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, for my power is made perfect in weakness, so The art of self-denial is us willing to weaken ourselves so that we may access a greater grace. Is that not so crazy? You say, all right, I need this to survive, and I'm going to put it aside in order for me to receive actual more strength. I'm going to weaken my body in order to strengthen my spirit. Does that make sense to anyone in this room this morning? All right. Well, here are some ways that... That fasting strengthens you, I said that weird, spiritually. All right. One, it helps you see better. And I'm not talking about, oh, man, I've worn my glasses for 20 years. I'm going to fast. I'm going to see better. No, I'm talking about seeing spiritually better. People are like, yes, see better. No. All right. Spiritually, see better. All right. Voluntary fasting has a way to help us regain our spiritual focus. Sometimes when we lay aside something that we hold dear to our lives in order to say, God, show me something. There is a power that comes with that when we're able to push that aside, maybe a distraction or maybe something that we hold dear and God begins to reveal to us things, maybe things that are inside of us that maybe we've always wanted to, you know, maybe 
get rid of or maybe we don't see. Or maybe he allows us to see uh, about other people and what other people are going through or things that we should pray for through that. So he opens up our eyes to regain a spiritual focus. It helps you hear better. Not the A, sunny, but it helps you hear better. When you go, it says answers, guidance, direction, and insight all seem to flow more freely in the context to grace-empowered self-denial. What does that mean? Okay, Jason says all the time, there are things that we don't have to pray for, okay? do we? Are we supposed to love people? Yes, you don't have to pray about that. God, should I love this person? Yes, okay, that's in Scripture. You don't have to pray about that. But it's important that in our lives that we make every decision and big important decisions based on, God, you created me. What do you want me to do, okay? Do you want me to take this job or not? And so sometimes... We could be clouded, and our ears could be stuffed, and we got to go, God, all right, I'm going to deny this, and I need you. I need answers. I need guidance, and I need you to speak to me, and I want to hear your voice because this is a big decision in my life, and I don't want to make the wrong decision. And so, and then the third one is it accelerates change. Fasting or self-denial prepares us for change. Jason used to say this all the time. I love it. It says, fasting fast-forwards things in your life. And there, you have no idea how many times Jason has said, uh, like someone's like struggling with something or whatever, and he'll go, I'm going to fast for them today. I'm fasting for them today. And he spends the day praying for them. And then it's like what seemed like this long process of change, just all of a sudden it seems like overnight, boom, it happens. Fasting accelerates change. It also prepares change in your life. All right, so here are a few things that I put on your paper. Positive results of fasting, okay? I put little one-liners, and then I put a scripture reference, okay? Because I want you to see that these things are in scripture. And I want you to be able to look it up. And I want you to be able to feast on the word of God for yourself. And I want you to feast on the things that God has for you. So here's a few things. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of our first love for Christ as a result, a result in more intimate relationship with him. Boom, I said that. All right, fasting, <laughs> fasting in a biblical way to truly humble ourselves. Even David said, I humble myself through fasting. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to review, reveal your true spiritual condition, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and transformed life. The Holy Spirit will quicken the word of God in your heart, and his truth will become more meaningful to you. Fasting and prayer opens our hearts and minds to receive wisdom and guidance from God. Fasting and prayer, and this is where I really want to hit right here, is a way we minister to, honor, and worship God. Fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer, more personal experience. Fasting can result in a dynamic, personal revival in your own life and make you a channel for revival for others. You need awakening? Hey, do this. Trust me. When you fast, you'll discover more time to pray and seek God's face, resulting in a more richer prayer life. Through fasting and prayer and seeking God's mercy, he has promised to spare nations from his wrath and to heal them from their wickedness. And I want to stop there because this happens like a million times in the Bible. I mean, not, I mean, give or take, all right? I didn't count exactly a million. Let's just throw that out there. But I love it because I actually had a church leader one time say, they were kind of upset that the pastor had called us or called all the, like, leaders to fast during this one time. 
And they were like, I feel like fasting is a personal decision, and it should be between you and God, and no one should tell you to fast. And I was like, hey, I don't disagree with you because I think it is a personal thing between you and God. But I'm also thinking about Esther here, and I'm thinking about how, like, she called the whole Jewish community to fast and pray so that they won't die and be murdered and then God intervene and then save them and spared their life. And so I'm like, so I mean in January, you know, when me and Jason call City Point Church to a 21 day fast, not all 21 days, you can do whatever you want. Don't go, I can't believe that they told us to do this. I can't believe that they want us to fast for Knoxville, okay? Where it's not happening, all right? I didn't spiritually hear this from God, so I'm not doing it, all right? But no, it can call us fair nations. That's why we do it for Knoxville. We love Knoxville, right? This is our home. This is our city. This is what God has called us to. So we want to come before the Lord with that, just like Jonah, Joel, and Esther did, which was amazing. God uses fasting and prayer to grant favor with those in authority, even unbelievers, so that his will will can be accomplished through them. God uses fasting and prayer to supernaturally protect his people, and God uses fasting and prayer to call out commission and empower spiritual leaders in the church. Are you guys not glad that I wrote all this down for you? It's a lot, right? I'm even having to read it. Okay, but get this. This is what I love. There's a special power in fasting when combined with prayer and faith. God chooses to do through fasting and prayer what prayer alone will not. And I want to read, read you a scripture so you understand that. Matthew 17 says this. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast this demon out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, most pastors love this scripture, and they stay on this scripture, and I love it too. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they go, if you'll just have faith of a mustard seed, then anything can happen. This power can happen, and I believe that, but at the same time, sometimes I'm going, I have faith. I have faith that nothing's happening. Why is nothing happening? I do have faith, you know, like, I mean, like, how can I muster out this faith? Like, sometimes I'm, like, praying, and I'm, like, God, please heal this person. Just don't make me look stupid. Just please heal. You know, like, I have faith. I have faith. You know, like, I don't know if y'all have ever been there, but I'll just open up. I've been there. But what he said after that in verse 21 was, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And there are translations that try to omit the and, fa- and fasting, but it's my belief and the belief of many, many scholars out there that if you omit that from the scripture, the words actually make little sense. Because the, the disciples were praying. They were praying when they were trying to cast out this demon from this little boy. So they're praying and they're praying in Jesus' name, come out. And when Jesus' name, come out. And they're praying and they're praying and nothing is happening because of what? There was a power, an extra spiritual component that comes out when you fast. I can just imagine that spirit had to been like, losers. You don't have the intimacy and power that comes from your weakness. When you are weak, his power comes to strengthen you. Love it. I'm so glad you're getting in. You're, my, you're so good. Okay. 
So how do I express a fast? Now, I put several fasts down there. I'm not going to go through this, but how, how does one express a fast? Well, number one, you could fast food and drinks, okay? Not water, please. We do not want you to die, okay? I don't think the Lord wants you to do that, okay? But you can fast. To me, this is the most effective fast. And the reason why is because you need food to survive, right? You need food in your life to live. And so when you deny the very thing that your body uh, craves and desires each and every day to move forward and to give you energy, when you deny that for spiritual purposes, then, um, then I believe that that's like huge. I'm going to go through a, a few other ones, but to me, that's the most effective one. It says that Jesus was in the wilderness when Satan came to, to tempt him, and he had been fasting for 40 days, okay? No, thank you, right? Can you imagine going a month over a month with no food, all right? So he's been fasting, and I've seen people do it all the time. Not me, I'm sorry. I'm going to get better, though. Maybe one day I'll get there. But he's fasting for 40 days, and he is hungry. He's not hungry. He's hungry, okay? Like, he has made it to that point, like, I am hungry. And you can imagine that the Son of God, who is now in man form and feeling everything that a man feels, might feel a little bit different than us because we've been hungry before, but now he is feeling it when he never had to feel it before. And then Satan comes to tempt him when Satan had never been able to tempt him before because he had all authority. He still had all authority over Satan, but it was important for him in man form to feel what we feel when the enemy is coming against us. So you can easily, sometimes I read it and I go, well, that's easy. You are the son of God. It was easy to say, no, get behind me. No, you, uh, you know, scripture, scripture, scripture. But no, to me, I almost feel like it's harder for him because for the first time he was feeling it where he didn't feel it before. And Satan came to him and he's basically like, you're hungry. I know you're hungry. And if you were the son of God, turn this rock into bread and eat. And like, like me, when I fast, I'm sure he had drool coming down his mouth. He was probably salivating all over the place. I mean, he's a human, okay? Let's just make it real, right? But then he, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, and I love it. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And I love that because he says, bread alone. Yes, we live on food. That is our lives. That is our body requires it. But that's not the only thing that we live off of. And so sometimes when we push aside our grumbling tummies and we say, God, today I'm giving this to you. And I'm giving you more time and energy and the times that I would be eating or preparing for what I'm going to eat. And if you're doing my fitness pal and counting calories, then you are giving way more preparation to eating and, and preparing to eat than you need to. So you're going to take all that away and you're going to say, I'm going to focus on you, Lord. Our spirit must also be fed. Number two, and I'll go through these quick. You could fast entertainment and social media. Okay, Jason Townsend? Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> you could fast entertainment. That's a fast because a lot of us, that's really important to us, and it really takes up a lot of times our day. Me, I love watching TV, and I have fasted TV before, and it was hard. Like when downtime came and I was tired, I was like, what am I supposed to do in my life right now? I'm too tired to pray, you know, like, you know, like, I'm just going to go to sleep now. So I'm like, you know, but, you know, taking away those things that hold dear to us and going, hey, God, I'm going to give you this time 
It's a big deal. All right. You could fast recreation time, you know, instead of, like, going golfing or whatever three times a week. I don't know why I made that up. I would never do that. But, you know, golfing three times a week, you know, you might say instead of this week, instead of going three times a week, I'm just going to take that time and I'm going to pray. And another one is fast social events, okay? If I did this one, it would not be a fast. It would be a vacation. I'd be like, yes, I don't have to go anywhere or do anything. So you got to make sure that your fast is actual self-denial because that one would not work for me. It would work for Jason because he lives for people and he lives for doing social things. For me, I'd be like, I'm never getting out of my pajamas. I'm going to wear my mint chocolate chip robe for a week. This is going to be great. I'm going to love my life. Jesus, it's all for you. I'm suffering for you, babe. All right. Anyways, there are multiple ways of self-denial. And I put down there, and I'm not going to go through them, different types of fasting. You could do sun up to sundown. You could do, you know, one meal a day. You could do, you know, just going a day. Here's my thing. Don't go crazy. Don't be like, oh, she talked on fasting. We got to fast, and I'm going to try this. I'm going to do a five-day fast. No, don't do that. After day one, you'll be like, I can't do this, and then you'll quit, and then you'll feel bad about it, okay? Maybe just one meal. Let's, like, slowly get in there. It's like when I started working out again, and I had not worked out in a long time, I did not start with the weights that I'm at now and the weights that I had ended with because my muscles had deteriorated and I was weak. I had to start off slow and work my way up through the discipline. And I'm going to close with this. Karen and Jason, if you guys want to go ahead and come up here, that would be fantastic. Um, Fasting is more about our intimacy with God than our going without. And so the point of it is not to do it because it's, oh, well, the pastor talked about it, and now I feel like as a Christian, this is my duty, and I need to do this, you know? It's not because we feel like it's the greatest thing, but it's about becoming intimate with the Lord, becoming close with Him. And that's why the scripture says um, when he, you know, he's talking uh, about, you know, he's kind of reverting to the Pharisees. And he says, you know, when you fast, don't paint your faces white, you know, like wash your face, you know, don't look miserable and all this kind of stuff. He wasn't saying don't talk about it. Okay. I feel like a lot of Christians think that like, oh, you're not allowed to tell people you're fasting because that's like the scripture says, don't, don't let people know, you know, or whatever. It's not really saying that because if that was the case, then all these stories in the Bible would be wrong because they tell you that they're fasting. And so Matthew, when he talks about Jesus fasting, either he witnessed it or Jesus told him that he had been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, right? For him to, so you can tell people. What it's saying is do it with the right motive. You're not going to do this so that you look spiritual. You're not trying to look more spiritual. You're trying to become intimate with the Lord. And I love Bob Sorgian, our small group on, on Tuesday said this. He said, he said, we're not supposed to, look good, we're supposed to bear good fruit. And I love that because he was talking about pruning and how pruning makes you look ugly. Pruning makes things look ugly. And he said, you're not supposed to look good. You're supposed to bear good fruit. And I love that. We can look spiritual all day. We can come in here. We can do everything in this no cap thing. We can dance. We can clap. We can shout. We can worship. We can uh, say all the right things and do all the right stuff to look good. We can fast. We can give people our money or whatever. But if we're doing it because we want to look good, then we're missing everything that it has to offer. Because the goal is to become intimate with the Lord. The goal is to find the living God.
God who cares for us and loves us and created us and have this deep relationship with him, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been truly hungry before. Like, I'm talking like hungry, all right? Jason tells this funny story about him fasting when he was younger on this spiritual retreat. And he was fasting, and there, he saw a horse eating bark. And he was like, that bark looks so good. <laughs> like, I just, like, want to eat that bark so bad. Like, he was, so, that's hungry, okay? That, if, you're, if you're looking at bark and you're thinking, this is, that's tasty, I want that, you're really hungry, okay? And so sometimes when you're really hungry, you crave or want things that you probably wouldn't when you're full, right? I have this story. You guys can go ahead and actually stand to your feet because I'm going to close with this story. When I was younger in college age, I was in ministry school, and one day I I was fasting. Um, And here's the thing about when you're like 20 and 21. Well, I don't know about y'all, but with me, I ate a lot of food. It's that age where you just eat and eat and eat and eat. Like I would eat breakfast and then a snack and then lunch and then like second lunch and then like a snack and then dinner and then like I would eat again. I ate all the time. And so when I went to fast that day, it was harder because my body was used to a lot of food. And I was so hungry and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I was walking down the halls of my church and drool just fell out of my mouth while I was walking. It was so gross. I'm looking around like, oh my God, did anybody see that? That's so gross. Like, I'm so hungry. And I went into the sanctuary and I decided to, it was lunchtime and I knew I couldn't eat. So I was going to pray, right? That's what you do, pray. And as I was praying, I got this thought in my head. And I think it was the Lord speaking to me. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it was just a thought in my head. But he began to ask me, like, if you had a steak in front of you right now with no fork and no knife to eat it, could you still eat it? In other words, he was saying, if the lights weren't perfect and the smoke wasn't on and the worship team hit some bad notes or they sang a song that you don't like, could you still worship me? If you were busy and tired, could you still come to the secret place and pray with me? If you say it was illegal to worship me and pray for me, would you still do those things? And so I began to think of this steak while I'm starving to death, okay? Not really, there's real starving people in the world, but that's what I felt like at the time. And I, and I thought, and I had that thought come to my mind, could I eat the steak without a fork and a knife? Well, Lord, if I was hungry enough, nothing would keep me from devouring that steak. So when what he spoke to me at that time is when you are hungry for my presence and when you are hungry for the things of me, there is nothing in this world. There is no distraction. There is no wall. There is nothing that will keep you from my presence. There is nothing that will keep you, but you have to become hungry. You've got to become hungry. Jason came to me, or Jason was worshiping with the boys a couple weeks ago, and he started to play this song, 
I was from like, I'm sure the 90s or early 2000s. I'm going to go 90s. And I just felt the presence of the Lord just minister to me. And this morning when I was going over this, I said, Jason, can we, can we sing that song? Here's the lyrics. Hungry, I come to you because I know you satisfy. I'm empty, but I know you are there. And then it says, I'm falling on my knees, offering all of me, all of me, all my clapping, all my singing, things that cost me, my generosity, my, my self, myself I give to you. And I'm going to deny myself, which I say acronym, Satan's exact location forever, right? So I'm saying I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to desire my healthy desires that are inside of me so that I might become hungry for more of you. Is anybody with me this morning? Is anybody feeling that right now? Because I'm feeling it so strong. It's so crazy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I want to take a moment for, for us to just declare this song to the Lord. Declare our love and adoration for him, our desperation for him. Because when we become desperate, that's when he shows up. That's when he comes. We're desperate for you, Lord. We hunger for you, Lord. We want more of you and more of you. It is only you that we desire. It is only you who can feel us. It is only you who can come into this place and make us whole, God. And we deny ourselves this morning and we come before you hungry and desperate for you, Lord God. And we worship you for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the one and the only Savior in our lives, and we worship you. 